Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my partner in crime, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. West week four, the Packers will be hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is a 3.25 p.m. Central Time kickoff at Lambeau Field. And look at the Steelers here a little bit. An up-and-down start to their season. They are 1-2 and two after three games. A very impressive road victory in Week 1 over the Buffalo Bills, the AFC runner-up from a year ago. But then, back-to-back home losses to the Raiders and the AFC North division rival Bengals. The one against Cincinnati kind of being a clunker of a performance for Pittsburgh, especially in front of their home crowd. What do you make of this Steelers team so far? Well, I think the big thing is is that's going to be a really competitive division uh, was my main takeaway. I look at – we talk so much about Green Bay's start to this season and how difficult this gauntlet is going to be for Green Bay. And throughout the course of the season, obviously our eyes have been turned to November as well, understanding what's going to be coming down the pipe. But this has been a really difficult start for Pittsburgh. I mean, to be able to get that win against Buffalo, I'm guessing – they would have thought that that's going to be their most problematic game in that first month of the season. Yeah, playing it on the road. Yeah, and so then you come right back, and, and you got a very game Joe Burrow's team, obviously the Ravens, and, and now you're coming into Green Bay, and you're going to take on Aaron Rodgers and this offense coming off of two really nice back-to-back performances here. So it's a big challenge for them, and realistically, I think this is going to come down to Ben Roethlisberger, and what Ben Roethlisberger are we going to see? Is it going to be the big Ben of old, or is it going to be this guy that's been under a lot of pressure here this early part of the season and has had a couple turnovers as well? Yeah, the biggest thing that surprises me, not that we watch a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers football, but to look at the statistics through, through three games, and yes, it's a small sample size, but Pittsburgh has not been able to run the football. Yeah. You know, They invested that high draft pick in Najee Harris, yet... As a team, they have just 153 rushing yards through three games, which is surprising. You mentioned the pressure, the turnovers with Roethlisberger. He's got three interceptions with just three touchdown passes so far, and he's been sacked eight times. That's not the kind of thing you're accustomed to seeing from a Pittsburgh Steelers offense. So this is the other thing that really stood out to me, though. And I bring it up because of what we talked a lot about last week with regard to the Packers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, through three games, have yet to score a point in the first quarter. So I think the Packers need to be prepared for a team that is going to be hell-bent, if I'm allowed to say that on our show here, to to get off to a fast start, like we were talking about with the Packers, to, to get things going early offensively because their score by quarters right now, Wes, none in the first quarter. They they have scored 50 total points in three games. 30 of those 50 have been in the fourth quarter. Yep. This is a team that has not been able to find an offensive rhythm until late in ball games, based on the statistics. And the Packers have to be ready for an early haymaker. Here. And coming out of the gate too, right? I mean, zero points in the first quarter, six in the third. It's not like they're getting off to these fast starts to the third quarter either. Right. The, the point I made in Insider Inbox is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are down right now. The Packers can't let them get back up. Yeah. They need to be able to assert their will, especially being at home. You're going to have an energized crowd. It's going to be a mid-afternoon game. I mean, that is pretty much picture perfect in terms of weather, in terms of conditions, for the Green Bay Packers really to have a nice home field advantage. But the thing that surprises me the most with Harris is that he is a prototypical bell cow back, six foot two, 220 pounds. 
He's been a factor in the passing game. He actually has more receiving first downs right now than rushing first downs. Yeah. But they've just not been able to get those wheels turning for him in this run game. And I feel like Green Bay, coming off the performance they had last week, now that was a beaten-up unit against San Francisco. But, Mike, we've seen them use a multitude of running backs against Green Bay over the years. The fact that they were able to stop Trey Sherman, get San Francisco out of their rhythm – I'll say it time and time again, I feel like the blueprint is very much the same going into this game against Pittsburgh. Not allowing Harris to get that confidence early on, making sure you clog up those holes. That was a telling performance by the Packers defensive front last week. One of the better games we've seen out of Kenny Clark. I feel like that's really the the focal point going into this game is asserting your will and not allowing them to catch their feet. Yeah, absolutely. And on the injury front, the Steelers dealing with some issues. Ben Roethlisberger did not practice yep. on Wednesday. We'll see what happens with that as the week goes along. T.J. Watt, their star pass rusher, he missed last week's game. I believe he was a limited participant in yep. practice yep. on Wednesday for them. You look at it, them again statistically, they have five sacks as a defense through three weeks. T.J. Watt has three of those five. They're not getting a whole lot of pressure from anybody other than T.J. Watt. So they need him back. They're hoping to get him back this week. Again, we'll just have to uh, have to wait and see there. I think you mentioned the the blueprint for the Packers being being similar defensively. I think there's a lot of similarities offensively in terms of with the way these games have gone for the Steelers so far. If the Packers can get off to another fast start offensively, I think you can. I think you can really you know, put some pressure on Roethlisberger if he gets down a couple of scores that, that this Packer defense can turn itself loose a little bit. Now, this guy is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he's brought teams, he's brought his Pittsburgh Steelers back from big deficits before, home, away, all of that. He's done it all. But this, as I said, I think Pittsburgh is going to come out and try to punch the Packers in the mouth, like, early in this game. I think that's going to be Mike Tomlin's message to his team based on how they've started the first three weeks. The Packers have to be ready to take that punch and respond. Yeah, and, I mean, they have really good weapons, I mean, you know, throughout. I mean, these guys are players that can hurt you, and obviously the investment into Harris, Benny Snell has been there for a number of years now. They are going to try to challenge Green Bay early on in this game. And, and as you said, Roethlisberger, there is a good track record there for him against Green Bay. And, heck, I think Mason Rudolph won a game against Green Bay, too, if that's the way this thing has to go. There are so many different things when you look at Pittsburgh. It is, it's a weird deal, right, because the sample size is small. Three games is small. It is enough to change up the waiver wire order, though. I mean, it is enough that <laughs> yeah. you start to take stock of some of these things. That's why I think you're going to see a Steelers team that's really hungry in this one and trying to show that, okay, we still are. There's a reason why Ben Roethlisberger came back. They wanted to make one more run at this thing. They feel like they did have the tools. And while they did lose some pieces, they were able to draft the, the highest top-ranked running back in this year's draft. So uh, that, that part's going to be interesting. We'll get into it more with the defense, but the injuries are probably the biggest question mark I have uh, with where the Steelers are going to be at, who's available, who's not. The – the bench is really short at outside linebacker, probably shorter than I've ever seen uh, with the Steelers team, at least in this modern 3-4 era. Uh, so, yeah, uh, uh, questions are going to have to be answered. But Green Bay, man, they got the momentum on their side. They're riding it in this matchup. You've been able to put points up back-to-back -back weeks. You have to find a way to keep that stretch going. Yeah, and Pittsburgh uh, 
really, really wants to avoid a one and three start, as you talked about in that division with what the Ravens are doing, with what the Browns are doing. The Bengals look like an up and coming team, getting their young quarterback back and and getting some things going there. So um, one and three in that division could be a pretty big hole for the the Steelers to have to climb out of if the Packers can put them there. Um, some sponsor business here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Injury update for the Green Bay Packers. You want to give the fans where things stand. We found out that Kevin King, who missed last Sunday's game with an illness, he actually uh, was diagnosed with a concussion. The reason it wasn't labeled a concussion for missing the game against San Francisco is because it wasn't medically confirmed yet. He wasn't feeling well on Sunday morning, later was diagnosed with a concussion. So he is in the protocol, Has not did not practice on Wednesday. And the Packers also have... Um, inside linebacker Chris Barnes in the concussion protocol as well. Yeah, and, and I want to tip my cap to Kevin King. I don't – Kevin's probably not an avid viewer of Packers Unscripted, but I have a lot of respect for him in what he did on Sunday. I, I know there's things people are wondering, well, what is that what, game day, guys dropping out? Listen, I think if anything we've learned about head injuries over the last 15, 20 years is – not every well. First off, not every situation is the same. Right. The you know people handle these things differently. Aaron Rodgers even touched on that after the game when he was talking about Devontae Adams. But the other thing is too, if you're not feeling well, it doesn't do anybody any good to put yourself through it. He did the right thing going and telling the trainers and the team doctors, yeah, something isn't quite right here. And unfortunately, they're out in San Francisco. They don't have all the resources they have here in terms of being able to diagnose him and treat him and things like that, but they knew something was off. Hats off to everybody involved by allowing the young man just to, to, okay, let's get back to Green Bay. Let's see what's going on. And hopefully he progresses through concussion protocol. No long-term issues there. I know in the past he's had a couple of the concussions too. In terms of the game, though, the way the Packers responded to the – the pieces they were missing. First off, Eric Stokes going in, making his first NFL start, yep. playing pretty darn good for a guy that is 70 defensive snaps. 14 days earlier, he's playing eight. I mean, just the the seeing the, the revving that up and being able to push those those you know those buttons when you lose Chandon Sullivan for a little bit, when you have some other injuries, he was something you did not have to worry about out there. Inside backer, as you mentioned, Chris Barnes. Pretty scary little incident there coming on the, the slant pattern. He stops the receiver. I forget who that was exactly. He's down for a minute. So, one, you bring in Ty Summers playing in the base packages. You bring in Oren Burks, who I, I, I'll, I wrote this in inbox, Mike. I'm going to keep saying it. I think this is the perfect utilization for Burks. He is your traditional will-type linebacker in a nickel package, and the Packers are playing a lot more of it this season. Yep. I liked what I saw in the, the half sack. I liked what I saw with his aggression. We've seen a different Oren Burks in that way this season. But more than anything, Devondre Campbell, you can see him every single week. He's a six-year player, but he's getting more comfortable with this defense. He's the guy now responsible for relaying the play calls from Joe Barry. This is a guy, people, that wasn't here 100 days ago. <laughs> he came in the last week of the offseason program, and now he's responsible to be your signal caller. I love the way he plays the position. He got another takeaway again. Despite losing Barnes, who was such a pivotal piece for them a year ago, yeah. they were able to keep the ship afloat, and a lot of that credit goes to Devondre Campbell. Yeah, absolutely. The the 
I think what what we've seen from Campbell, the way he has settled in for a guy, as you mentioned, he didn't show up until the last week of the offseason program. A guy who was a victim, frankly, of, of the salary cap yeah. crunch around the league. This is a guy who would have gotten a much nicer contract in normal circumstances. I'm sure he was disappointed at the offers that were out there, whatever. But at some point, you just have to take the best one available, right? And that was the Packers. And I think he's I think he's happy with his choice at this point because he's playing a major role in this defense and he's producing. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a key piece now. And as you said, wearing the, the communication helmet as well. So this is a this is a, a veteran player now in the middle of the defense the Packers are really relying on. Yeah, and he said it back in June too. He wanted to sign before the offseason program. He wanted to make sure he got his hands on a playbook to have those six, you know, five, six weeks to understand the defensive system that he was moving into. And th- that game more than anything, Mike, whether it's, it's those guys, whether it's Alan Lazard stepping up on special teams or, you know, Yash Nyman, you know, becoming their left tackle when, when, you know, they didn't know that they, well, they didn't know, but they didn't have Elton Jenkins available. They had an offensive line playing with four guys that didn't even start NFL game up until the opener three weeks ago. Right. That, hats off to the team and being able to actually make those adjustments. And realistically, we've learned it time and time again, Mike. You're going to have amazing years where nobody gets hurt. You keep your starting five offensive linemen the whole year. You keep your core defensive unit. And you're going to have years where you need guys to step up. And through the first three games, Packers haven't had a lot of injuries but where they have been missing people, guys have responded. Yeah. As of Wednesday afternoon, Elton Jenkins not back at practice yet. We will see again how that um, evolves or progresses throughout uh, the rest of this week. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling not at practice Wednesday due to the uh, the hamstring injury that he sustained in the second half at San Francisco. So, again, um, one of those things that uh, that will probably take the whole week. We may not know for sure yeah. until Sunday afternoon exactly well, what's going on there. And that goes both ways because while I expect, you know, T.J. Watt coming back to Wisconsin, the Pewaukee Native, you would imagine T.J. Watt's going to be out there on Sunday regardless of how the groin is feeling. But, dude, I mean, you also got Alex Highsmith. He was limited uh, dealing with uh, a groin as well. I mean, they have issues. Uh, and Melvin Gordon – or Melvin Gordon. Melvin <laughs> Gordon at the outside lemmer. Melvin, Melvin – Melvin Ingram the third there you is, go. is the only other outside backer on their depth chart right now. Now they have a lot of versatility, kind of like the old school Dom Capers defenses. You can move those inside backers around too, but this is a really interesting matchup for both Green Bay and Pittsburgh because I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on what that injury report with the designations looks like on Friday and exactly 90 minutes before the game on Sunday, who's all going to be available. Yeah, all right, well... Let's get down to it here. Keys to victory here for the Packers on Sunday. What's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Four sacks they had last week, Mike. And I actually was the guy that was sitting there trumpeting that San Francisco's not the type of team that you're going to be able to get a lot of sacks against. But why did that happen? Because they stopped the run. Yeah. And they were able to start pinning their ears back more. Preston Smith played out of this world in that game. As I already mentioned with Kenny Clark, continually pushing the pocket got credit this week for that sack that ended up resulting in the fumble that Devondre Campbell did recover. Nice play there for the nose tackle. Packers need to put pressure on Ben Roethlisberger. God bless him. He's been doing this thing for a long time, but he's a 38-year-old quarterback. This is the type of game in which you need to apply that pressure. You need to stop the run first, get after the quarterback. If he's going to throw three interceptions the first three games, make sure you turn that into the fourth and four. That is going to be the primary objective. If you can get him off his spot, Green Bay Packers, again, assuming it's Roethlisberger, I guess we could see if it's Rudolph, but whoever's back there, 
the Packers got to get after that individual. Yeah, and for me, aside from what I already said, which is to be to be ready for ready for a big punch from the Steelers early, based on how they have struggled struggled early in games, and how this Packers offense wants to continue to start fast. This is the the blueprint for this game, based on how the Packers have played, how the Steelers have played, is for the Packers to start fast, to get up early, and let that defense, the Green Bay defense, play with a lead. And, and do the things that you're talking about. The other thing I will say, though, for the Packers offensively is to stay balanced because for some of the struggles that Pittsburgh has had defensively, it's it's not quite – we haven't seen quite the, the Steelers' defense that maybe mm-hmm. we're accustomed to. But they're not giving up a whole heck of a lot on the ground. It, it has been difficult for teams to run the ball against the Steelers, and the Packers can't lose sight of being – balanced on offense because if it just becomes you know if if you give up on the run and you just try to go drop back pass and tj watt is coming after you on every play even if his groin isn't fully healthy tj watt tj watt can wreck things yeah and uh, and and the packers have to i think staying balanced on offense is how you neutralize a guy like tj watt no question huge assignment coming up for billy turner and all those guys in terms of when you're going to see Watt. but for me again it goes back to the fact that the Green Bay Packers last week, they ran the ball 25 times for 100 yards with Dylan and, and Jones. None of those carries went for more than 12, but they were consistent with it. Against they a darn it. good defensive front. Against a really good Absolutely. defensive front. It's going to happen at some point. You can mark this down, put it in your, <laughs> you know, crop it. Aaron Jones is going to have a major big-time carry at some point. He's oh, going to yeah. have an 80-yard game-breaker at some point. Yeah. But the more that they're able to have those games where they don't have the big explosive play, but they still surpass 100 yards. Just keep churning them out. That's the ticket. And I thought they did that really well against San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we go, a quick look around the league, because there are some other interesting matchups. I want to start with the NFC North because we're seeing another division game, which is Detroit against Chicago. That'll be at Soldier Field. And then Minnesota coming off of that big victory against Seattle. The Vikings now hosting the Cleveland Browns, obviously a team that everyone, you know, the Bears have already seen them, everyone else in the NFC North going to see the Browns this year. Um, those are a couple interesting matchups. The, Be- the Bears are figuring out exactly what's going on at quarterback with their injury situation. And Detroit fighting hard every week for Dan Campbell looking for that first win for their new head coach. Yeah, and this is really going to test their moxie, you know, going into this one. If you can bounce back after some really tough gut-breaking kind of games, uh, trying to beat a, a Chicago Bears team that is also reeling, that at this point in time doesn't really know who their quarterback's going to be, doesn't know where Fields is going to be at health-wise. So that's a marquee game. It's kind of going to be the one that, like, okay, who's going to still be in this race here? Who's going to be one of the front runners? Uh, in this division to be able to actually compete uh, this season. Cleveland-Minnesota is a fascinating game because you're getting Kevin Stefanski going up against Mike Zimmer, the former offensive coordinator against the longtime defensive mind. That's going to be a great game to watch. And for for Minnesota, kind of like what I was just saying about Pittsburgh, this gauntlet doesn't get any easier for them either. No, it doesn't. This isn't the Cleveland Browns from four years ago. This is a game offensively driven football team, and Stefanski's one of the smarter guys in this league when it comes to play calling. I think he's been a perfect fit for what the Browns are doing. Yeah, really interesting matchup there in terms of that history with Stefanski. A big Sunday, Wes, in the NFC West, and we t- we've talked about how tough this division is. Well, they're playing two division games there. Arizona is at the Rams with the Rams coming off of that big, impressive victory over the Buccaneers. And then Seattle, having lost to the Vikings, traveling to San Francisco, the Niners coming off the loss to the Packers. 
it's a it's a really interesting week in the NFC West with all these with all four of those teams going head to head now. in In terms of a in terms of early season, that's about as big as it gets for a division. With all due respect, Arizona, they've been the little brother of that division for six years now. Can they find a <laughs> yeah. way to really you know put their flag in the ground and say we're we're coming for this thing? They're going to do it against the hottest team in football. The Rams have figured this thing out. There were questions. You wonder what happens if Cam Akers is available. But Matthew Stafford has just taken the reins of this thing, said, all right, follow me. We're going to go. Kyler Murray's exciting. It's going to be fun to see him in that offense against that defense. And then for San Francisco and Seattle, man, that's going to be a really – we're talking about the gut kind of check games. That's it. Is San Francisco going to get this thing back on the tracks despite the injuries? Or is Seattle going to bounce back after a tough loss against Minnesota? Yeah, one other one I want to mention because – Regardless of who wins, there's going to be there's going to be a new, I guess maybe a new darling of the NFC because Carolina at three and zero is at Dallas. Dallas being two and one. I don't understand why the league would schedule two teams where Carolina's coming off a Thursday night game and Dallas is coming off a Monday night game. That seems a little unfair. But that aside, whoever wins this game, if Carolina goes to four and zero or if Dallas gets to three and one, suddenly there's going to be a lot of attention on the winner of that football game, I think. Well, and for two different reasons, right? Because Dallas, it's just about, you know, competency in that division right now. If Dallas can just win 9, 10 games, they have a real shot at this thing. Oh, yeah. Carolina's in a really tough division. Every team, every single win is going to matter here when you're looking at teams like New Orleans and Tampa Bay. Uh, I think Matt Rule's team has caught a lot of people by surprise. You're not going to have Christian McCaffrey. Right. That's going to be a big question mark, but... You know, I think defensively they've shown that they can compete, and they're going to be a team that is going to be kind of keeping their nose in this thing throughout the course of the season. All right. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of Sunday's Packers-Steelers game at Lambeau Field. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.